Questions to the Prime Minister. Robert Goodwill. Number one, sir. Before listing my engagements, I, I know the whole House will want to pay tribute to all the servicemen who have died in the summer months in Afghanistan. In doing so, I send our profound condolences to their family and friends. Warrant Officer Class 2 Gary O'Donnell, Sergeant Jonathan Matthews, Corporals Jason Barnes and Barry Dempsey, Lance Corporal Kenneth Rowett and Nicky Mason, Private Peter Cowton, Private Jason Rostrum, Signaller Wayne Bland, Ranger Justin Couples. We owe them and all those who have lost their lives in conflict a huge debt of gratitude. Like many members, I've recently visited Afghanistan and I've seen at first hand the superb job our armed forces are doing. And I believe I can speak for the whole House in sending the full and unwavering support of this House for the great efforts of our armed forces. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministers. I also talked about the economic situation to Chancellor Merkel, President Sarkozy and Prime Minister Berlusconi. And I think the House will want to know that the Governor of the Bank of England has just announced an immediate half a percent cut in interest rates. He has done so in a coordinated action that is happening around the world in which the US Fed has cut interest rates by half a percent, the ECB by half a percent, the Swiss, the Swedes and other members of the G10 have all cut interest rates showing that uh, global problems uh, are best dealt with by global action. I'm sure the whole, whole House shares the sentiments expressed by the Prime Minister with regard to the, the fallen. Uh, does the Prime Minister agree with the IMF that the British economy will shrink next year? Every, every, economy, every economy is facing uh, problems, and I don't um, uh, want to make predictions about the future. We're in very difficult times. But I think, but I think he will see today, and I think the whole House will understand uh, the strength of the action that we have taken. Uh, we have produced uh, additional liquidity to the system, up to £200 billion. Uh, we have said that we were prepared to buy shares in our banks uh, and recapitalise our banks to the tune of £50 billion. And we have also done something that other countries, I believe, will follow very soon, and that is provide medium-term financing up to £250 billion uh, guaranteed by the Treasury. And this is the means by which, by taking coordinated action as a whole and leading the world in doing so, I believe we can get our banking system on a sound footing, and that is the key to the future. Now, to have that combined with the macroeconomic action, a cut in interest rates, is an important message that is being sent around the world that we will do everything in our power to make sure our economy moves forward. Sir Gerald Kaufman. Mr Speaker, will my right honourable friend guarantee that the fat cats of the City of London will not be allowed to line their pockets on the backs of the profound concerns of tens of millions of our fellow citizens? And will my Prime Minister assert, uh, will my Prime Minister, my right honourable friend the Prime Minister assert that the jobs, homes, small businesses, savings and pensions of those fellow citizens of ours are the profound top concern of this government? Mr Speaker, I was pleased to visit my right honourable member's constituency where I opened a school only a few weeks ago. Uh, and we will do everything in our power to maintain our public services, to increase jobs in our economy, to protect the savings and deposits of uh, the citizens of this country. And I do want to reassure people that everything that can be done will be done to ensure that there is a flow of finance for mortgages, 
and for small businesses, despite the toughness of, the, uh, of these times. I have also to say to him that the conditions that we will lay down for support to the banks in this country includes uh, uh, executive uh, performance and the way it is remunerated, and we will build on the Financial Services Authority's work, which is to ensure that excessive risk-taking is not rewarded but punished. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to those servicemen who have lost their lives in Afghanistan since the House last met? Like the Prime Minister, I have been recently to Helmand and have seen for myself the courage, the professionalism, the dedication of people working in incredibly difficult conditions. And we owe each and every one of the fallen a huge debt of gratitude. Right across the country, people are worried about their savings, their pensions and their mortgages. That is why I said last week that if the government needed to take major steps to secure the banking system, it would have our support. Does the Prime Minister agree with me? Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the message should go out loud and clear from this House that in a free enterprise economy, banks play such an important role for everyone, for homeowners, for businesses, for individuals with savings, that the banking system itself cannot be allowed to fail? I'm grateful uh, for the Leader of the Opposition's support for the action that we are taking. I hope that we can proceed now on the basis that there will be all-party support for the actions that have been taken today and will be taken in future days. Uh, I also believe that the scheme that we have put forward, which is a stability and restructuring programme, is not simply about new capital for the banks. It is increasing liquidity into the system so that there is overnight and short-term lending available for the banks. It is dealing with what is perhaps the bigger problem at the moment, and that is medium-term funding, that small businesses, as everybody recognises in our country, need to get funding. At the same time, mortgage, mortgage holders and prospective homeowners need to know that the market can resume. The absence of that medium-term funding of loans over six months, a year, two years, three years, is something that has uh, uh, hindered the market, and the market is indeed frozen up in these areas. So we are guaranteeing £250 billion. It will be at commercial rates, but we will do the job that the banks usually do and should be doing in normal circumstances, providing the guarantee that that system will work forward. And in addition to that, the cut in interest rates will assure people that all action is being taken in the economy so that we can help businesses move forward. So I welcome his support. Uh, I would say to him that the measures we are taking this morning are far more comprehensive and wider than those that have been speculated about in the press. And I would say, say to him that we are showing that we will do everything in our power to maintain the stability of the economy in the interest of every single British person. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Given, as the Prime Minister says, that we are trying to save the banking system, not as an end in itself, but to save the wider economy, would the Prime Minister agree, agree that the real test of success of these measures is not just, as he said, about banks starting to lend to each other, but whether small business can get loans again, whether homeowners can get mortgages again. Aren't they the real, aren't they the real tests that need to be met? And can he, aren't they the real tests that need to be met? And can he explain how he's going to be measuring whether they're met? I, I'm grateful for him giving me an opportunity to say, in addition, what we are doing to help small businesses. The key issues for small and medium, medium enterprises are cash flow and, to a certain extent, access to finance, as I've just said. They need to be helped through this critical period. 
Late payment problems, which have intensified, with all firms on average lengthening the time it takes to pay their suppliers, including SMEs, go beyond agreed terms. The Government can ease this situation, and we will help cash flow through prompt payment. The Government's already agreed to move its procurement rules from payments within 30 days to a commitment to pay as soon as possible. In the current climate, we need to go further with a harder target. We will therefore aim to make SME payments within 10 days. The Government will pick up the cost of this, but this is a small price for greatly increasing cash flow associated with eight billion of contracts to small and medium-sized enterprises. Now, as I announced last weekend, we are proposing that the European Investment Bank increases its loans worth up to £4 billion to United Kingdom banks for use by small and medium-sized enterprise. And we are now pressing for further additional funding to be advanced and for UK banks to be able to ensure that they take up this full funding available for small and medium-sized enterprises. The Government will, of course, review the impact of any regulatory measures already agreed. But let me make it clear, we are doing and will do everything we can to assist small and medium-sized enterprises throughout this period, and our restructuring of the banks is designed to ensure that while it is difficult to achieve, credit lines can remain open to small and medium-sized enterprises on a, a commercial basis. We will not accept that banks should cull their credit lines in order to eliminate their own exposure to risk. So we will do everything we can to help the four million small businesses of this country. Taxpayers are making an enormous investment and have potentially a huge liability. They want to see their interests protected. Now that should mean no more irresponsible behaviour, no more inappropriate dividend policies and no more indefensible bonus packages. Will the, Prime Minister, will the Prime Minister confirm that these will be conditions of the agreement for getting taxpayers' cash? And crucially, can he tell us how these conditions are going to be enforced once everyone has actually signed up? Mr Speaker, again, I'm grateful for the chance to explain how we will move forward this particular proposal that the Chancellor announced this morning. As far as the remuneration packages available to executives are concerned, it will be a condition of the capitalisation of banks that they will accept new conditions attached to executive remuneration. And we are in discussion on a case-by-case basis with the banks that want to take up this scheme about what will be the level of executive remuneration, but particularly the bonus system that has caused so much difficulty. Our aim is to support and reward work and enterprise and responsible risk-taking, but not to reward irresponsibility in risk-taking and excessive risk-taking that has caused so much damage. So the Financial Services Authority will be looking... Well, I I was asked a question. I think I should have the chance to give the answer. The the Financial Services Authority will publish very soon a consultative document about the danger to company balance sheets if, by excessive risk-taking, some of their executives... It put the balance sheet and put the company at risk. And this will form part of their estimate of what capital is needed by these particular companies. So it is not only a question of the individual banks that we are dealing with having to accept new conditions. There are strings attached. Conditions have to be met. But it is also the case that throughout the system, 
the Financial Services Authority will be proposing a new way of dealing with executive remuneration, particularly bonuses, which will allow them to regulate according to the capital requirements of a company that takes excessive risks. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I ask a question that follows directly from the answer the Prime Minister has just given? Those banks, those banks that are most reliant on this scheme are the banks that have taken the greatest risks and in some cases have behaved irresponsibly. So can the Prime Minister guarantee that in those banks there will be no bonuses for senior executives this year? Mr Speaker, I think we've got to, to get uh, at both sides of this right. He said early on he did not want any bank to fail and we will take all the action that is necessary to ensure that banks are stabilised and they can continue and resume the normal process of lending. At the same time, we will insist in the conditions in which we issue shares that executive remuneration is as we want, based on responsibility, based on hard work and based on effort and based on enterprise. But that will be part of the negotiations that we will have. And I think it's right to say that these should be had on a one-to-one -one basis between the government and the companies. Of course, these matters will be made public because that is what companies are required to do. No one wants banks for, to fail, but also no one wants rewards for failure. Taxpayers... Taxpayers now have an investment, so taxpayers have an interest, and they will rightly be infuriated if they see their hard-earned money going in bonuses that are rewards for failure. Now, the other thing that the, the, other thing the taxpayer would expect is that everything possible is done to improve the regulatory system. Now, one of the problems is there is no one in the system who is there to take an overall view of indebtedness in the economy. Will the Prime Minister look with a genuinely open mind at restoring the role of the Bank of England, the role they had for decades on calling time on debt levels in the economy? The regulatory system needs not just the right rules, but strong institutions. Shouldn't the Bank of England be restored to its proper role in this regard so that this never happens again? Yeah. Mr. Mr. Speaker. Of course, under the new legislation, for which I believe there is now all-party support, the Bank of England will have a statutory role in the supervision of the system. But I have to remind them that when we came in in 1997, there were seven or eight separate regulators all involved in the system, and we coordinated that within the Financial Services Authority, and we led the world in that way. And as for, and as for, as, as for bonuses, as for bonuses... The FSA, the Financial Services Authority, will be responsible for issuing rules about capital adequacy to firms, and they will take into account whether these firms are taking excessive risks by rewarding people on the basis of short-term gains and not long-term success. And so when he asks what will be done on a case-by-case -case basis where we capitalise the banks, we will lay down conditions. As for other companies and for the rest of the system, the FSA will now be in a position to regulate the capital requirements of firms according to the risk-taking that is involved. And I do, I do hear what he says about uh, what he thinks about the irresponsibility of people in the, in the city and some of the adjectives that have been used, but I have to remind him what he said on the Andrew Marr show. What you won't hear from me this week is the sort of easy, cheap lines beating up the market system <laughs> and bashing financiers.
government, now that the government has brought forward such a bold scheme of support for the banks, does the country not have the right to expect the bankers themselves to show a bit of courage and resume normal lending among themselves and to the wider community? Yeah. Well, my, my right honourable friend is, is absolutely right. What we are making it possible to happen today is that that resumption of lending takes place. We are providing a guarantee for the very medium-term funding. I'm, I'm thinking of the small business that is looking for funds for investment or the small firm with a Nova draft that wants the help that a bank can usually give. I'm thinking of the mortgage holder who wants to buy the next home or the person who's the first-time buyer. Now, that is the cash that can be provided by a good banking system. To have it on a sound footing is an essential element of this programme, but to resume the medium-term funding is, I think, one of the least publicised elements of the programme we've announced today. And if I may say so, not only will we do this in Britain, 250 billion guarantee, but I've talked to my European colleagues over the last few days, and I have hopes that this can become a wider scheme that other countries will take up. And I hope we will show that we have led the world in changing the terms and conditions on which we can help renew the flow of money in the system. Clegg. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to add my own expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of those brave British servicemen who, who lost their lives during the summer recess in, in Afghanistan. Mr. Speaker, this is indeed a day of reckoning for the British economy. It's also a test for this House. We must show the British public that we can work together to halt yeah, the yeah. downward spiral in the British economy. And that's why, speaking for these bench benches, I can confirm that we wholeheartedly support this government package. When, when, a, when, a ship, when a ship is sinking, you send out the lifeboats. You don't argue about who has steered it into an iceberg. That's a, that's a debate for another day. Mr Speaker, this is a national response to what the Prime Minister has rightly called a global crisis. So we need global responses too. Will he give the House a bit more detail about exactly what he is doing to ensure that the European Union finally does act together? And will he and the Chancellor press the IMF later this week to provide support to governments like Iceland who are overwhelmed by the crisis and are unable to cover the liabilities of their own banks on their own. Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, once again, I'm grateful for his question because it does allow me to explain, if you'll allow me to, what we are doing in concert with our European partners and what we want to see happen at a, at a global level. First of all, the coordinated cut in interest rates is an important signal that the world will come together to deal with this economic problem. And I believe that it has come at the right time to show that the action that we are taking, the action the Americans are taking and the action taken in other countries in Europe uh, is action that is designed to together solve the problem we face. Uh, the problem is that the, bank, the banking system has been overwhelmed uh, by the fallout uh, from the subprime market in the United States and, and the bad assets that have been taken by many banks. Uh, our method of doing that is to strengthen the banks in our country in America, they're trying to move these bad assets into, into a government fund. We feel that what we are doing is best for the banking system here. So while action is coordinated, each country will choose different things to do. What will happen on Friday is that the G7 will meet 
Uh, they will agree coordinated action about transparency, about disclosure, about how we deal with accounting standards. Uh, I believe that the changes like the new colleges of supervisors that will regulate multinational companies across frontiers should come in immediately and be set up before the end of the year. There will be a meeting of the International Monetary Fund on Saturday that I believe will agree the same principles. Having talked to President Bush yesterday, I think that we will have an international leaders meeting soon to look at what we can do uh, together. Uh, we need to have responsibility and integrity at the heart of the global financial system. We need a global early warning system and cooperation among regulators that, to be frank, we Britain have tried for for years but haven't been able to persuade other countries to support. And we will continue to see coordinated action on economic policy. Yeah. Grateful to his reply. Uh, I'm sure he'll uh, agree that whilst this package is hugely important, it is only one part of the jigsaw that needs to be put together to get the economy back on track. Uh, the Prime Minister said, rightly, that this is a time for new thinking, not for old dogma. So will he recognise that struggling families facing huge bills do need more money in their pockets now? So will he act to close the numerous loopholes in the tax system which only benefit the very wealthy and use that money to cut taxes for people on low and middle incomes who need that money the most? I'm grateful to him. And of course, uh, wherever there are loopholes in the tax system, we will act to close them and have done so over the last nine years. Uh, can I also say he asked about money going to hard-working families in this country to help them through these difficulties. Every, every family, in fact 22 million families, basic rate taxpayers, will receive £120 as a result of the decisions made by this House to give a tax cut. Equally at the same time, as he knows, uh, pensioners will receive £250 in the next few weeks for their winter fuel. Pensioners over 80 will receive £400 to help with the fuel bills. We have also extended help to low-income families by increasing the social tariff numbers to half a million and more. We are trying to do more in that area. We are trying to deal with the unacceptable problems raised by prepayment meters, and we will legislate, if necessary, to stop the practice of discriminating against those on prepayment meters, and we will continue to do everything we can to help the hard-working families of this country. Prime Minister agree that the best way this House can show our admiration for our troops in Afghanistan would be to investigate an alternative peace strategy that would seek to consolidate the gains already made, to end the bloodshed and to bring stability to Afghanistan and Pakistan. Absolutely right in, in, one, in one thing, that this is not a military strategy alone. I applaud the professionalism and dedication and the ingenuity faced with huge difficulties of our British armed forces, more than 8,000 men and women who are in Afghanistan at the moment. And as everybody knows, they are facing a new problem, uh, not uh, front-on con combat uh, with the Taliban, uh, but guerrilla warfare, roadside bombs, uh, devices like car explosives and suicide bombings. And we have had to restructure and reconfigure our troops to deal with that problem. But in addition to that, we are training the Afghan army to do its own job for itself. 80,000 people being trained. The Afghan police force trained a more difficult task and avoiding corruption there so that they can also provide a policing role. But I may say also, such as what we have done in increasing the facilities available from the dam in Afghanistan, we are trying to help develop the economy of Afghanistan. And we are trying to give people uh, education and health 
and all the opportunities that a civilised society should give. But let us remember in criticising, uh, as some do, the effort in Afghanistan, Afghanistan is now a democracy and millions of children, including two million girls that never went to school, are now going to school. Does the Prime Minister share my disgust that some banks are charging small businesses over 15% interest on their overdrafts? Mr Speaker, this is exactly uh, the problem that we are looking at at the moment. Small businesses need the lifeline of banks that are able to service them. We are looking at how we can use uh, money from the European Investment Bank, the Small Firms Loan Guarantee Scheme, and money that the regional development agencies have to help businesses in their community so that we can get the banks to be better intermediaries uh, to financing at affordable rates loans for small businesses. And you'll see that we have been talking in detail uh, with our European partners about how what is a £25 billion scheme can be introduced. We are also looking at the Small Firms Loan Guarantee Scheme to see how to improve it. My determination, it is difficult, it is tough, because banks have increased the margins that they are charging, and they have responded to their difficulties by making it more difficult for small businesses, and we should accept that that is a problem that's got to be dealt with. But we have got to create a means by which the banks can be better intermediaries in getting funds to the four million small businesses in our country who deserve and will have our support. Ms Blackman. Speaker, can I also congratulate my right honourable friend on this um, bold, comprehensive financial uh, package, especially the fact that it has uh, been uh, struck uh, voluntarily with the banks and therefore will not be delayed by legislation. Can he tell uh, the House um, how quickly he thinks the major banks will take up the offer that's on the table? Well, we are, as you know, and one of the reasons that the programme had to be completed in full before it was announced, we have been in detailed discussions with the major banks. We have an agreement in practice that they will all join the scheme. The detailed working out through the conditions that we are attaching off the scheme will happen in the next few days. I think we've got to accept that this is a long haul for every economy of the world, but I hope that in a reasonable time we can get the funds from the banks into the small businesses and, of course, uh, resume the mortgage lending that is so essential for young people particularly looking for the first home. Stephen Harmon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. When the Prime Minister was Chancellor of Exchequer, the Prime Minister often used the occasion of the IMF forecast to revise his public borrowing figures. In light of today's revised IMF forecast, will he revise those public borrowing figures today? Public borrowing forecasts, if I may say so, have always been revised in the, the pre-budget report and in the budget. I have never done that at the IMF. What I've said at the IMF sometimes is what I think the growth pattern of the economy is going to be. <laughs> in the light of today's both historic and dynamic intervention, does my right honourable friend consider that the proposed takeover of HBOS by Lloyd's TSB will still proceed? And if so, can he give my constituents in the Calder Valley and those of my honourable friend, the member for Halifax, many of whom are employed by HBOS in Halifax, can he give them an, uh, an assurance that he will do everything he can to ensure that there are no compulsory redundancies within the next three years? My, my honourable friend, who takes a huge interest in these matters, 
and I too have got the interests of our constituents and those who are employed by HBOS and Lloyds TSB in Yorkshire and Humberside. I have, I, have to say, I have to say that the alternative that we faced when we changed the competition rules to make possible uh, the takeover by Lloyds TSB of HBOS, uh, the alternatives was a great deal worse that a major bank that served a, a very large part of our community would not be able to survive. So we took the right action to make sure that Lloyds TSB could take over Halifax Bank of Scotland. And we've done so with the company wishing uh, to uh, expand over time its uh, business in banking, servicing the people not just of Yorkshire and Humberside, but the rest of the United Kingdom. So I will look very carefully and be happy to meet her uh, to talk about the conditions of employment that she finds. I realise that with Bradford and Bingley in the same area, there are difficulties that people face. But let me be absolutely clear. Our determination is to stand on the side of those people who are worried about their jobs and help them through this difficult period. Following the Prime Minister's pronouncement in New York last week, will he now tell us when the age of irresponsibility began? The age of irresponsibility was about the... I'm tempted to use uh, my experience uh, studying history to go back quite a long time to explain what has happened. Look, I was talking about irresponsibility in the financial markets. Now everybody, everybody agrees, everybody agrees about irresponsibility in the financial markets. But let me say, let me, let me say, because uh, I think it should be clear to the people of this country, the dividing line here is, is not between business and being anti-business or market and being anti-market. The dividing line that we have is between rewarding hard work, effort, responsibility, rewarding enterprise, but not rewarding excessive risk-taking or irresponsible risk-taking. And it's exact... It, the the, the, the all-party consensus seems to have... Uh, <laughs> And I, I, per I personally think the whole of the country will agree that that is the right thing. Let's reward work. Let's reward effort. Let's reward enterprise. Let's reward responsible risk-taking. But let's deal with the problem and sort it out once for all of excessive and irresponsible risk-taking. When, when the Prime Minister gave badges of honour to the women and male Spitfire pilots and others in the ATA. Did he convey the great pride this whole House shows in them and the tremendous thanks of the whole country for their sterling service during our darkest hour? Yeah. The, the privilege over the summer of meeting many of the women Spitfire pilots and the men and women of the Air Transport Auxiliary, and I was able to congratulate people who had come from all over the country who had made a huge service to the country. Their contribution was in delivering aircraft between factories and airfields during the Second World War. And it is right that even, that even 60 years after the war, it is right that the nation has now determined that it will recognise the contribution of some very brave and courageous women and what they did. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. I listened very carefully to the Prime Minister's answer when he said... He often used the occasion of the IMF forecast to publish new growth forecasts. So I repeat the question that my honourable friend, for, the member for Scarborough and Whitby, said. Can he confirm that the government agrees with the IMF that next year the economy will shrink? Very good. Mr Speaker, I said that, that I often said the path in which the economy moved forward. I, we, publish, we publish our... 
I, I think he's been long enough in the House to know that it, it, is, it is right for a government to publish the exact figures of its forecast at the time of a budget and pre-budget report. Anything else betrays, but leads to uncertainty, and if I may say so, he betrays some immaturity in expecting that we will give a running, a running commentary on the economy.